0: Greetings friends, I'm proud to share with you today my interview with Mr. John Thorne, my co-host for the In Our House Now podcast, and we were both invited to Wyndham's Cabin, a virtual Twin Peaks experience that took place Sunday, July 24th, 2022, all online. It was a Facebook-led virtual Twin Peaks festival It was about six hours long. There were a number of different topics from creators to podcasters, interviews with actors, Uh, music uh, just a ton of amazing guests on there and uh, John and I had about 30 minutes to explore um, John's you know entire career of writing about Twin Peaks where it's been where it's going we have a wonderful uh, and and wide-ranging discussion here and I'm proud to share it with you Um, if you want to check out the Event. It's uh, it's called Wyndham's Cabin, a virtual Twin Peaks experience. It's run by a wonderful gentleman and friend named Warren Friedrich, um, and there were just a ton of great uh, people gathered around. Uh, you know this this art that we all love, and so without further ado, I will take you right into the interview with John. Hello, friends. It is my unique pleasure today to introduce a man I've been introducing for two years now and never grows old. Uh, Before there were dozens of podcasts and YouTube channels dedicated to all facets of Twin Peaks, from thematic breakdowns to episode guides to Twin Peaks tattooing. There was one lonely but powerful magazine, a bit of actual paper. It was co-created by two deeply devoted fans of Twin Peaks, and one of those co-creators is here with us today, and I'm proud to call him a friend. John Warren has been writing and communicating his thoughts and feelings about Twin Peaks for more than 30 years now. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Technical Communication and a Master's Degree in Television Production from Southern Methodist University. And few people were more qualified to create a magazine dedicated to one of the most important dramatic series ever produced and broadcast on both small and big screens. Once referred to by Entertainment Weekly as a cool cult favorite, Wrapped in Plastic was a bi-memory periodical that was devoted to the analysis of David Lynch and Mark Frost's work It featured in-depth essays and interviews about Twin Peaks actors, writers, and producers. And Wrapped in Plastic concluded in 2005 after 13 years, 75 issues, and over a million published words. John went on to publish a book, Potential Wrapped in Plastic, Pathways to Twin Peaks. He co-created the Blue Rose magazine with Scott Ryan. And he co-created the In Our House Now podcast and incorporated into Twin Peaks and with me. Now he's prepared to publish his book later on this year, and I would like everyone to please welcome my friend, John Thorn. John.
1: Thank you, Josh. That was a wonderful introduction.
0: Thank you very much. Lovely. So the the other co-founder of Round and Plastic was Craig Miller. He was a a writer, an artist, publisher, a very passionate Twin Peaks fan who sadly passed away 10 years ago. And it's one of the tragedies of our community of Twin Peaks. Craig didn't get to live to see the return. So before we get into the history, I'd just like to ask you the question, since you knew him so well, what would Craig Miller have thought about the state of Twin Peaks in 2022?
1: yeah, uh, he would have been surprised, as was I, to hear that it was coming back. And we both didn't think there would be any more uh, Twin Peaks. Um, I think Craig would have loved the new Twin Peaks with all its um, um, ambiguity and newness and um, uh, uh, it, the, the challenging narrative that it that it is. Um, he would have he would have really wanted to dive into it and uh, and look at it very. Um, rationally and that was Craig he, he kind of wanted to to um uh you know carefully take things apart so I think he would have loved it.
0: That's great and hopefully we we'll, are fulfilling that for him now so let's go back way back tell, tell me about the period <laughs> of time in the aftermath from June 10th of 91 to the last <laughs> airing of, of season two and the day that Fire Walk With Me was announced like how was Wrapped in Plastic born from that period
1: yeah well so it was actually shortly after the series ended in uh, 91 i was at a, at a comic book convention on a twin peaks panel and that's where i met craig and he came up to me afterwards and said let's do a magazine and i was like yeah let's do a magazine and uh you know we had all kinds of ideas and um it took a while it took about a year for us to get it to get it in work in the works and for a while there we weren't sure it was going to happen and then um if I Walk With Me came out in 92, which was just a year later, and it was October of 92 that we put the first issue of Wrapped in Plastic out, and then, yeah, we had an issue come out every other month uh, for uh, for 13 years. The last year or so it went quarterly, so it was every, you know, every three months, but I mean, like clockwork, we put those issues out for 13 years.
0: Wow. So... That leads us into the dark days before the internet, Google, and podcasts. What What was it like to write and publish scholarly content about Twin Peaks in the late 90s, early 2000s time period?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, between 92 and 97 was really kind of the darkest time because there was no new David Lynch work. You know, 97 is when Lost Highway came out. And, and, you know, there was no way for people to... Um, to really watch Twin Peaks, it wasn't syndicated, it wasn't available, it was available limited in some video uh, versions, but those were expensive, and so, you know, there was this core base of people who kind of remembered it, and those uh, folks were buying our magazine, and we were kind of, I think, keeping keeping the Twin Peaks community alive, uh, we, along with the Twin Peaks Festival that was held every year, Um and so, you know, there were some times there where, uh, you, you know, we, no one was talking about, it, it seemed in the media, we didn't hear anything about Twin Peaks, or really anything about David Lynch. Things changed a little after 97, because we had Lost Highway. Uh, we put issues out, and they sold pretty well, and then it was shortly after that, that we heard about The Straight Story coming, Mulholland Drive. Those things kind of kept us alive and kept interest in Lynch alive, and so... Um, Yeah, but, you know, there was interest. There were people who wanted to contribute to the magazine, write essays for us, and there were people who were graciously giving us interviews all that time. So um, for us, it was very exciting. For us, Twin Peaks never went away. We were always, you know, living and breathing it all those years.
0: John, a side question on here. How do you feel this impacted academic studies of television? That was, you know, you had your degree in, in this exact field.
1: Uh, what, Wrapped in Plastic? How did it impact? Yeah, Wrapped in
0: Plastic, yes. yes. Uh,
1: well, you know, um, I must say there was another book that came out at the same time Wrapped in Plastic was doing this and that was David Lavery's uh, Full of Secrets book which was a book that was scholarly uh, essays out Twin Peaks um, and so there was some uh, contributors to that book who, who ended up writing or, or providing some essays to us Um. And then later, uh, later in the late 90s, uh, David Lavry reached out to us and we put together uh, an e-book, it's still available, it's called Twin Peaks in the Rearview Mirror, and um, there are essays that were in Wrapped in Plastic that that showed up in there too. So I, I don't know, you know, I think for some scholars maybe there was an outlet to talk about Twin Peaks and Wrapped in Plastic, and so we were always happy to get one of these well-thought-out, well-researched essays. I'm not sure how many people read them, but Craig and I did, and we loved them, so.
0: Well, we we did too. So let's talk about the Twin Peaks Festival experience and and how important that was for the the community over time. What was the first Twin Peaks Festival you attended?
1: Yeah, I went to the first really fan-run Twin Peaks Festival, which was in 1993. Uh, a year before that, there had been a festival that had been put together, sort of as a promotional uh, event uh, by New Line Cinema for the premiere of Fire Walk with Me. But the first fan run festival came out, or you know, was held in '93, and I went to that. Craig went to that, and uh, it was—I mean, it was—you know—for us at that time, I was a young guy, and and it was like being in Hollywood to me. And the—you know—we had. Uh, uh, Catherine Colson was there and uh, Al Strobel was there and Frank Silva was there and we had an opportunity to spend time with all of them and talk to them about Twin Peaks you know 93 it had only been a year since it was almost exactly a year since Fire Walk With Me had come out and so just to see these uh, to see these performers there and just visit the locations it was it was just incredible
0: well let's Extend that to two thousand and two because you have expressed to me before that you felt that that was the peak, the peak experience of the festival. And I mean, who was there that year, and, and what did you do? Uh,
1: what two thousand and two festival was held by the Eisenstatts, uh, Josh Eisenstadt and and his parents. Uh, they were the the people who were hosting it and they uh, managed to bring in a great number of guests uh john neff who we just saw uh in the segment before this was there um and uh i just a great number of actors and performers from twin peaks richard beamer was there russ Tamlin was there lenny van dolan was there grace abriskie was there uh julie cruz was there and um i mentioned this story before but uh Julie Cruz performed The World Spins in a Grange Hall one evening. I think it was the evening of the, the banquet. And it was a surreal experience to see her live perform. It was one of the few times I describe it as sort of an out-of-body experience where I felt like I was in Twin Peaks. I felt like I was actually in the roadhouse watching the roadhouse singer perform. Uh, it was magical. And, uh, and, you know, but and, and that, that was one festival... Um, uh, that, that stands out to me. I did not go to all of them. So it was a highlight for me. I call it a peak festival. There may have been um, other you know, festivals that I, I did not attend that were, were also exciting. I, I think they were all wonderful. And the fact that the various folks over the years kept that going too, that, that was quite an achievement too. And that kept uh, fandom alive.
0: Those relationships that you and I and a lot of us on this uh, broadcast have developed from the festivals uh, are amongst the most precious things. Would you Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, a- absolutely. I'm, you know, um, well, the festivals just, you know, the fact you got to interact with the actors was, yeah, it was really special. And the actors were always so generous with their time. Um, I remember, uh, I remember Catherine Coulson, you know, when I, I, um, Uh, had a chance to visit with her uh, there and she said, and and she was very genuine. She said Twin Peaks fans are the greatest fan base of them all, you know, and she really believed that we, we all of the fans um, were artists too. And I thought that was always a wonderful comment from her because I think it's true. I mean, every Twin Peaks fan I've ever met you and all the others and and the folks that are, are, are watching now every single one of us, uh, you know, is inspired by Twin Peaks. And we, 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 we perform, I guess, uh, our own uh, reaction, our own artistic reaction to it. And um, I think that's true of other fan bases, but I don't know. I think it's different with Twin Peaks. There's something unique about it.
0: I concur. I do. Um, okay, well, let's move on to the missing pieces and the first wave of Twin Peaks podcasts. What did you think after you the first time you listened to a Twin Peaks podcast?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I didn't. I didn't really even realize there were podcasts out there for a long time. I think Joel Baco contacted me around the time The Missing Pieces came along, and uh, Joel is a, is a great Twin Peaks scholar, and I recommend everyone go and listen to him and read what he's written. Um, and I sort of suddenly became aware that there was this sort of new community, or I should a community, a new way of addressing Twin Peaks and analyzing Twin Peaks, and um, I was kind of overwhelmed by how much was out there may, in those early years. May not seem like it was much now, but it, it, to me, it was like, "Oh, this is great!" I mean, this is a great new way of of connecting with with fans, and and you know, Twin Peaks fans love to talk about Twin Peaks, <laughs> and so podcast was great. And I know you and Scott Ryan had the Red Room podcast, and you guys were, were doing that. And and uh, all of a sudden, it sort of for me, it opened a door. It was kind of great to hear all the the different. Um, you know, discussion going on.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like that kind of ramped up. You know, the missing pieces were the beginning of the return of Twin Peaks, really, for, for, for most of us. For me, I had just started watching it. So I was like, hey, this is cool. show's coming back. So I, I just was able to get right back into it. Now, you know, when the return was announced and that roller coaster of, of getting it produced and, and actually on the screen, what was your experience like thinking about the older stuff
1: in, with anticipation of this new content coming. Well, you know it's interesting you bring up the missing pieces because um, I had done this podcast with Joel about the missing pieces, and you know let's just talk a about a little bit about the missing pieces because those were sort of the holy grail for a long time. I mean, for fans of Twin Peaks, we didn't call them the missing pieces; we called them the deleted scenes. Um, the missing pieces became their their title once you know, David Lynch uh, uh, released them, but. Um, we knew there were these deleted scenes. We knew there was uh, this material out there from *Firewalk with Me*, and um, and it was a dream. Would we ever, would we ever see it? We had read read the scenes uh, in in the, in the, the full script, but we we hadn't seen them. And then it was announced, and um, Joel did this podcast interview with me about that. And I forget if I said, you know, this is it. You know, this is the this is it. We're, we're getting new *Twin Peaks* at last. We're we're not, we're not going to get any more. And I think it was literally like a few weeks later that Lynch and Frost put that tweet out that said, you know, that gun you like is coming back in style. And and then there was this announcement, that Twin Peaks was coming back. And Joel immediately contacted me and said, we have to do another podcast to to address this. And so I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was overwhelmed as someone who watched Twin Peaks on April eighth, nineteen ninety, at the you know where well, I was there at the beginning um and, and had spent my life with it uh, up till that point and um i yeah, i i had a hard time really believing that it was coming back and i felt a little pressure too because i thought oh no uh craig unfortunately was gone i i i like oh, i feel like i need to you know do something but i didn't know what i was going to do or how i was going to do it and um uh And, you know, all of us, you and and everyone else was in that wonderful place where we were anticipating what was coming. And there's always there's I think there's always something wonderful about living in the question and wondering what is coming. Um, uh, And that was a special time. I kind of I kind of like living in the question and 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 thinking about what they were going to give us Um, and knowing that whatever they gave us (laughs) was going to be. Probably something we didn't expect, and I think that's what happened.
0: Oh, most most definitely.
1: And out of that anticipation, the Blue Rose
0: magazine was born. I mean, that was that was right at the time period when you when you and Scott decided to start a new magazine, and have now brought you know several issues. I think we're on issue fifteen already.
1: Yeah, and I I want to give credit to Scott for that. It was Scott who you know who who called me one day and said, I'm doing a magazine. I really want you to do it with me. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do another magazine, but but again, Scott, and, and to this day, Scott has been the, the person who's carrying the heavy load on, on on the Blue Rose. And so credit to him. Uh, but, you know, it was it was another outlet again. It was a great chance to get back into writing. Um, I, I think it really was lucky for me if I hadn't been writing for the Blue Rose. Um, I would have been pretty rusty by the time I get around, got around to to writing intensely about the new Twin Peaks The Return. So, um so, uh, uh, I, I I'm very grateful to, to Scott for for getting me going again, uh, and so yeah, it was it was good to 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 be back into that scene and, and writing about it. And, and which true, we did start it before the return uh, aired, and we actually put out an issue I think during the actual run of of Twin Peaks: The Return, which Scott likes to say was the only time any magazine, any fan magazine, was put out while Twin Peaks was was on the air. And, That's true.
0: Absolutely valid. I believe that first issue was about Mark Frost's book.
1: Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's right. We had Mark Frost's book. I apologize to Mark Frost for forgetting that because Mark Frost put the book out uh, in 2016, November 2016, and then, I mean, wow, that was that was. I remember running to the store, (laughs) you know, the day it came. Actually, I think Barnes and Noble had some on the shelves before the actual you know release date, and I went and got it, and and uh, you know just sank into that book because that was that was the first new Twin Peaks um, it sure it, was it, it wasn't the return really it was it was that book and and there were spoilers in that book it told us the fates of some of the characters so yeah great stuff
0: great stuff uh, side, side story someday Scott
1: I almost got arrested getting that book from Barnes & Noble t- earlier he, the... he tells a great story about about getting that book and, and Barnes and & Noble realizing <laughs> that they weren't supposed to sell so it so good well, that summer of
0: twenty, actually the twenty sixteen to the the spring of twenty seventeen when when it started airing was a roller coaster up and down. Will it get made? Won't get produced? Like there was a ton of back and forth that went up to that. But your experience of watching the first two parts of the return is unique uh, in the world. And I just wanted to ask you about the difference between in the nineties when you watched the Twin Peaks pilot versus when you watched the first two episodes of the
1: return. Well, uh, I watched the Twin Peaks pilot at home on a small TV when it aired in 1990 and I watched the Twin Peaks, uh, the first two episodes of The Return in L.A. with David Lynch and Mark Frost, the entire cast of, of Twin Peaks, uh, thanks to Mark Frost, who very generously invited me to that uh, that screening. Uh, and oh, wow, I mean, that was a dream come true. I mean, that was an absolute dream come true to, to be there and then, so yeah, I mean, the experience of watching it after all those years, when it actually started playing on the screen, and, and there were a few scenes from the first series, uh, and shots inside the the high school, and shots of of the surrounding, you know, Twin Peaks, and then getting into the new story, I was captivated. Uh, you know, those two hours went by so fast. I mean, it was just I couldn't believe it was over when it was over, uh, and I thought, I thought, yeah, I think they're, um, I think they're on a good track and I was sitting there in the theater after it was over and Frost walked up the aisle and he saw me and he said, what'd you think, John? And I said, I literally don't have words. I'm, I'm just so, I'm so happy to see it again. And he said, well, it only takes off from here. And and then I'll never forget him saying it only takes off from here. I was like, wow, how can it only take off from here? So, and of course we all know, um, you know what happened. So
0: Mark never lies. He never, never (laughs) lies. So you and I have completed two seasons now of, of in-depth analysis on the themes of The Return with our podcast. Why do you continue to think and write about Twin Peaks?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's really a good question. I, I've told some people I'm, I'm compelled to. <laughs> I have no choice. It's it, uh, But I think it's like what I was saying earlier. Um, Twin Peaks sort of kind of – Gets inside us, and I think it gets inside of a lot of fans. And we want to express ourselves. One of the things I say uh, I've said recently, I just wrote this recently, uh, and hopefully it'll be in the book. But um, you know, it, was, it occurred to me: Why do we? Uh, you know, we're driving along in our car, and we hear a song that's one of our favorite songs, and we sing along to it, or we're in the grocery store, and we hear. Uh, a song uh, that we know and we sing along while we're shopping. We want to be kind of. We want to express ourselves. We want to become part of the art that we love. And I think, um, I think that's why I write about Twin Peaks. Is that I? It's not enough for me to just watch it. I, I need to, I need to engage with it in some way. I want to express myself. And um, I write. That's what I do. And I talk a lot. <laughs> that's what I do. And um, and some people, you know. I, I'm always impressed by uh, the the folk, the Twin Peaks fans out there. The art that they create, the um, the music that they create, uh, the, and when I say art, it's not just painting. It can be, uh, you know, it can be um, sculpture. I've seen Twin Peaks sculpture. I've seen Twin Peaks um, uh, T-shirts and Twin Peaks uh, knitting projects, and all the different ways that people express themselves. And I think I think that's I think that's it. I think it it's such a, it's such a unique piece of art and it asks us to step up and give ourselves to it. So, so that's what I, you know, I, I'm compelled to do.
0: It's a lovely way that you phrased that, that people are, essentially do become artists. You said Catherine Coulson was fond of saying that as well, that Twin Peaks fans in the act of watching it, thinking about it, reflecting on it and sharing their experiences with others do indeed become artists I believe that's that's absolutely the truth and what's unique I think about the Twin Peaks community is that we each allow each other to carve out little spaces you know, for ourselves to have an experience and then come together and share that and that is unique amongst fan bases I really don't see that happening with Star Wars
1: ever, <laughs> do you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not into as a fan of Star Wars, a great big fan of Star Wars and Star Trek and all that, I'm not into the fan communities as much. I think people express themselves. I think it happened with Star Trek certainly in the 70s. But, yeah, it is it, – there is something – I see something palpably different about uh, – I don't know why it is about Twin Peaks. Maybe I'm too close to it to really give any kind of objective answer. But, you know, I will say – you know, what Catherine Colson said about the fans is also true of the actors, too, who were in Twin Peaks. And I, I forget um, who we interviewed. We interviewed so many of the actors. But but what became apparent is that every one of the actors uh, that were in Twin Peaks were artists in their own right. I know that Don Davis was a painter, and he sketched. And I know that Grace Zabriskie would do these art collages. She would make these unique three-dimensional box collage art. Uh some of them were singers. Uh, Richard Beamer is a photographer. And we've seen, Many of us have seen the, some of the great behind-the-scenes photography that he did uh, on the last episode of Twin Peaks. But he was a photographer, and he was a videographer, and he did his own documentaries. So that, just a few examples of the creative energy that was in that cast. And, and I think... That was, I think David Lynch and Mark Frost were able to select these people who were artists uh, to perform in their art, and the fans, too, are artists, and we perform in their art in our own way.
0: That's lovely. I love this idea of art as a virus, you know, it just <laughs> infects in us in the best way possible. Like it's, it's the best virus that we could catch. It really is. So... My final question is what do you, John Thorne, think people will be thinking about Twin Peaks in 50 years?
1: Well, I do think people will be thinking about Twin Peaks in 50 years. I mean, I think, and more and and longer than that, I think it is like any great piece of art, and there are great films that are over 50 years old and 60 years old that we still go back to and we watch and we think about. I mean, 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is, I think, one of Mark Frost's favorite films, films. as I grow older, I start to see things in that film that I didn't see when I was, you know, 25 years old. And so I think um, I think all of us, as we watch Twin Peaks, as we age, we find new things in it. But generations to come will also find things in it that speaks to them. I think um, uh, I think you know, and, I, and I've seen this. You know, I've seen young people who weren't even born when Twin Peaks came on. Um, and my daughter's roommate, when she went to college, was a huge Twin Peaks fan, you know? And, and she, had, she hadn't she had been born when Twin Peaks came on. She was a huge Twin Peaks fan. She loved it. And I was like, wow, you know? It's great to see how it it appeals to people. And, it you know, it's a television show, but it's more than a television show. And there are a few shows that people still seek out, but I... Even some of the great, great television shows, they seem of an age, and they kind of fade away. You don't see new generations necessarily coming to those shows. Uh, Hill Street Blues is something Mara Frost worked on. It's a wonderful show, but there isn't isn't a a, a new interest in it uh, as much, perhaps. Twin Peaks, on the other hand, I'll tell you, 50 years from now, there will be college students watching Twin Peaks and talking about it, and some of them will be like, this makes no sense, I don't like it, and some of them will be like, this is the greatest thing ever, it speaks to me, and they'll be debating it and wondering about it, so I have no doubt that it'll be around, uh, you know, it's great art, and it will, it will endure. And I have no doubt
0: that your writing will be part of that curriculum. In, in the in those courses um you know at the risk of, of embarrassing my friend john i want to try to cap, encapsulate uh the impact that you've had you know i think we've 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 gone through it here in this in this discussion but where it really matters are for those of us that kind of like reach out for uh, a stairwell to hold on to in the darkness sometimes when we, when we get into the show and your writing was a model for me early on on um how i wanted to with as much kindness as possible, convey my ideas in a way that hopefully offended no one and and encouraged and inspired everyone. And that's what you've done for the entire community. So we thank you, John Thorne. It's been a pleasure to interview you today. Well, thank you, Josh. You're very, very kind. Thank you.